Hello, hello, Carl. We have had such a busy week, and now you are a TikTok superstar. I'm not a TikTok superstar. I am featured in a TikTok that has received many views, but I am not a superstar. Thank you for noticing. Yes. Well, it's all over the Twitter, rsx.com, and I, that's where I saw it. We'll start it off with our guest, Chris Clark, and talk about the St. Louis International Film Festival, November 9th through the 19th. And then we'll talk to Hannah Dinkle and Jeff Bender from the Jewish Book Festival happening out next Monday. Then around minute 41, we'll talk The Killer. Then around minute 50, we'll talk Priscilla. Around minute 58, Rustin. Around one hour and two minutes, The Marsh King's Daughter. Then The Wizard of Oz is going to be at the Central Library for a sing-along. Around one hour and five minutes, The Muni Lineup. And then at one hour and seven minutes, Theater Roundup. That's a whole bunch for today. So the backstory is for all you... Uh, those listening at home is Carl plays the music at Blues Games, and the mm-hmm. other night at the home opener he played uh, "My Own Worst Enemy" by Lit, and the crowd had a blast with it. And there's this video. Jeremy Jer- Boyer is the organist, and he happened to record this moment. And a lot of people have said a lot of you guys do country roads already. Uh, the Colorado Avalanche do. All the small things, and Austin's been doing Sweet Caroline forever. That's not the point. We know that there have been sing-alongs since there have been sporting events. The interesting thing about this is I brought down the music when play started and the people were singing. I was actually listening in my sound booth to hear if the, how long the crowd would actually go along with them singing. Then play happened to stop 30 seconds later, and I brought the song back up, and the crowd was almost perfectly in sync with where the song would have been if they were singing to the song. And then they kept singing again. And then when play started again, they sing. It was a perfect serendipitous event. Well, you're being modest because ESPN wants to run it and you've had 2.2 million views. On the TikTok, which I'm not even on TikTok. So thanks, Jeremy Boyer, for giving me credit on Twitter and Instagram and threads. Is, is Paris Hilton one of your besties now? She is. Uh, she was going to dress up as me the other day, but she did uh, Britney Spears instead. Well done. Well done. Britney Spears. Chris sold- Clark, everybody. Yeah. Hey. Yes. Uh, Britney Spears has sold $1.1 million of uh, books in a week. So we'll talk about Michelle that. Williams might win a Grammy for doing the audiobook version of The Woman in Me. Wow. Well, we are just chock full of news today, but we are so excited because we are always thrilled to have Chris Clark with us because he's so much fun to talk to about movies. And this year is, how long, Chris, has this festival been going on? This is the 32nd annual Whitaker St. Louis International Film Festival. So 32 years is a long time for any arts organization, and we're just getting bigger. So it's been a fun ride. And you have your forever home. So, uh, yeah. Yes. So many films will be at the high point, but also you are using all of St. Louis. We got the arcade. Now, I never can pronounce this right. The Arcaden, right? Because I use Arcaden. Codden. Ah. Ah. Arcaden. Yes. I'll get it right one of these days. Plus Plaza Frontenac, plus Webster, plus. Not a Plaza Frontenac. We're not. We're not at Plaza Frontenac. Oh, sorry. Okay, so moving on. 
Well, <laughs> I know this is what I'm really excited about. Alexander Payne, one of yeah. my all-time favorite directors, director of The Descendants, which is going to be at the festival. His new film, The Holdovers, which you and I saw together, and it's wonderful. And Paul Giamatti is just fantastic. And it, it's just, I just love this movie. And uh, so he's going to be here to accept uh, an award. And uh, then you've got Reginald Hudlin, multi-hyphenate, who grew up in Centerville, Illinois. And I had the opportunity to interview him last year when he, after he directed the documentary on Sidney Poitier. And he is going to come back to celebrate 50 years of hip hop and House Party is going to be shown. And he's got a new film coming out with Eddie Murphy called Candy Cane Lane. So you scored some heavy hitters here. Yeah, this is uh, not as big as the festival has ever been. You know, there were years past where we were busting at the seams with well over 400 films. We're clocking in at a svelte 275 or so. <laughs> uh, but, you know, a little bit leaner. Um, we have a tighter circle. Um in between uh, Alamo Draft House and the High Point is a pretty short commute. Wash U's right down the street. Uh, Webster's off to the side a little bit, but but not very far. Uh, and there's there's less screenings there this year because of some conflicts with the theater department. Just five screenings at Webster, but you know in a pretty tight circle, people can get back and forth. Um, we're excited to be at the Alamo Draft House for the first time. Um, those conversations, many things that we're talking about right now are things that we've talked about for a very long time. We were in discussions with the Alamo Draft House pre-COVID and pre-quarantine when they were supposed to have been in operation in 2020 was the original target and that got blown to hell. And now these, you know, many years later, we restarted it and, and we're happy to, to be there with them. But this should have happened years ago. Uh, <clears throat> the high point is a relatively new thing. We just got the keys in, in, in January. Um, so, you know, lots of, lots of new balls um, in the air. Uh, well, Payne. We've been talking to Payne for over a decade. Cliff started a conversation with him. I don't even know how long ago. And he was a friendly guy, was always in touch, but never things never worked out. We bought him a ticket last year. And then he had to cancel at the last minute because he had to go to L.A. to finish editing The Holdovers, uh, which has had a great run so far this year. And now he we couldn't get a, the flight refunded. It just got what got swept into his frequent flyer points. But he said, hey, what? You know what? I'll buy my own next time and I'm coming next year and he's coming. Yeah. That's wonderful. Well, uh, I first got wind of him with election. And sure. if, if, if that was your first experience in Alexander Payne, it was a good one because Reese Witherspoon just made her mark as Tracy and, Flick. And, you know, local connection, uh, Jessica Campbell um, played um, the younger sister who was the big, the stoner roused about it. The, you know, don't vote at all. Um, <laughs> She's from Webster Groves, uh, actually, and passed away a few years ago, uh, oh. unfortunately, uh, for oh. I'm not sure what uh, something. And, and then uh, my all my favorites besides the Descendants, which you're going to show, Clooney's best performance ever. Uh, you are uh, is Nebraska, and you had that at the film festival, and Carl sat next to Will Forte. Uh, he was in my row. I'm not going to say I sat next to him. He was three people down, and he was just hanging out wanted to see how the reaction was it was a it was a great time it was a hilarious q a afterwards i basically just kind of stood there after a point and he just kind of took over uh and was great with the crowd uh june squibb was also in that um, from vandalia mm -hmm. illinois yeah. 
So and that revived her career. Um, we have a nice, you know, set of guests, you know, greater and lesser known uh, filmmakers from all over. We have a filmmaker coming from Japan, uh, filmmakers from Brazil. Um, I probably lost a country or two in the mix, um, but you know, it'd be interesting. The film from Japan um, is a documentary. Um, <clears throat> who of you remembers um, the baby teeth thing from the 60s, 50s and 60s? Lynn, were you a donator? No. I was, my whole, my whole, my siblings and I were. This is a documentary about a Japanese filmmaker about the effects of radiation and the fact that this thing even existed because they were they were testing for I think strontium in baby teeth. And I found out recently that <clears throat> two of my teeth and three of my sister's teeth are in the Harvard archive left over from the study. They originally collected like 350,000 teeth and there are about 110,000 remaining, including five of the Clark children. Two of them are mine. So um, I don't know if they found anything they ever told me, but uh, they're in the archive somewhere. Well, that is a fun fact. Well, as Carl and I are both members of the St. Louis Film Critics Association, and we are not only sponsoring the film, as we usually do, but we also give out two awards, the Joe Williams Award for Documentary and the Joe Pollock Award for Narrative. And uh, I will say that is a fun slate this year. And the movie we're sponsoring is called Bad Press. And this couldn't be more timely. And Joe Williams would be all over that. I know that. And I'm so proud that we're doing that. And that is November 14th. And I highly recommend that you fit that in. But there's also, there's something every day. And there's a woman's spotlight. Tell us about the the woman who is coming, who's going to get an award from your organization, Cinema St. Louis. Yeah. Um, Signa Bauman is a <clears throat> Latvian-born filmmaker slash animator who um, is an alum of SLIF. Uh, had an animated documentary, I don't remember how many years ago, maybe eight or nine, called Rocks in My Pocket. Uh, now, this is a narrative feature about love and marriage, but just, you know, <clears throat> beautiful inspired 2D animation. So it's not anything, you know, super high tech, um, but she's a great storyteller and a great animator. Uh, and the whole team that she's put together uh, has really made a mark. She's a, a teacher. Um, proponent of, you know, women filmmaking, uh, loves America, you know, lots of things. So um, we decided to honor her uh, with this award for being an interesting uh, voice and return player to Slip. Well, one of the big buzz movies you are having is All of Us Strangers with uh, the uh, great Irish actor, Paul Mescal, who got on everybody's radar last year. And this uh, break, uh, the the new guy Andrew Scott is getting mm -hmm. awards buzz, and so that's exciting. Yeah, also uh, uh, smaller characters are on Jamie Bell and Claire Foy too. So they've got a nice, well-rounded cast. They're the only characters actually uh, in the film, uh, <clears throat> but it's an interesting tale. Now that's be our. Uh, it's four in the afternoon, but it's technically our closing night slash afternoon uh, presentation right before our awards party. And Reginald Hudlin will be there at the awards party to get his award. And uh, he's just shot through the roof in the last couple of years, become this big, powerful magnet besides uh, he directs like the Black Entertainment Awards and uh, for BET. And he's 
just it uh, i think he's done some of the directing of the emmys in the last couple of years but he is first and foremost a filmmaker and a damn fine one at that did, and, did he uh, also um produce the oscars yes that's yeah so lots of high power things and i think he was one of the first african-american men to have done that ever and then did it for the emmys and did it for other things too so he really is a trailblazer i can't wait to see candy cane lane i i love robin Thede. <laughs> Uh, from the um, Black Women's Sketch Comedy Show. Um, so, you know, uh, house, so House Party, you know, we decided to bookend the festival with hip hop celebrations with House Party at the beginning and Hudland uh, at the end. We're gonna have DJs for both parties uh, to kind of, you know, cause hip hop and rap music has been integral part of film and particularly American film all this time. Um, endless films, starting with things like House Party, which wasn't the first, there were others, but it has been part of film culture uh, from the Americas and then, then, you know, migrating throughout the world um, ever since. And it's been very important. Well, you know, a, a punchline that has been around forever is all about a movie that no one really saw break into Electric Boogaloo. No, no one really saw Breakin' or Breakin' 2. They all know the joke, Electric Boogaloo, because it was so ridiculous at the time. But now, music about dance, our films about dance, are everywhere. Yes. And I use reference, I've never seen either, but I reference Electric Boogaloo. All the time. Constantly, because it's a, anything's a part two, it's Electric Boogaloo. Because well, of course. Not? Which it's just a great title yes well besides you bringing in all these q a's one of our favorite things because carl and i serve on the jury for this often is the st louis filmmaker showcase and you are having whole slates of local filmmakers and their work and so i encourage everybody if you missed it because i hear that so much oh i missed it at the showcase well now's your chance to see it how many yeah. local? How many? How many local people do you estimate? What? What is it like? Fourteen, I think. Fifteen, maybe. I think fourteen yeah. shorts, and then uh, Dovid Linder's *The Box*, uh, a feature film. So fifteen, just from the showcase, though. But that's somewhat misleading because, um, as I've been working on guest travel and other things too, and reading the program, I, you know, I work on mostly narrative features, so I don't always know what everyone else's business is till we're at this point. There are tons of other St. Louis filmmakers sprinkled throughout the entire festival. Um, there's an entire documentary shorts subject program about things, things, things that are St. Louis and, and three of the four filmmakers are, are from St. Louis. Uh, there's other people who have worked on other pieces, you know, sprinkled throughout and other documentary and narrative shorts programs too. So, you know, filmmaking here is strong, uh, just like the arts and music and food and sports. Uh, we like to live here and play here. So that's why we do what we do, because we love it. What is one of the favorite things that you are really excited about and it might be under the radar for the rest of us? <clears throat> there are a handful of animated films that are a bit under the radar and uh, two musicals. So musicals. Two mm. musicals. So the... First is Four Souls of Coyote, which is a Hungarian animated film in English about um, an Indian legend of coyotes and, and their, their godlike qualities. But it's a beautiful, 
beautiful story. The filmmaker is an alum of the festival with a film we did about 15 years ago called Nyaker. I can't remember what the English name is, uh, Aaron Gowder. And then <clears throat> one of my favorites of all is a, there's lots of music, 80s based music because of the, the time period that doesn't ultimately matter too much, but it's interesting placement. Um, robot Dreams, um, a lonely dog adopts a robot and they become friends and then they get lost. And then, you know, I can't say more, but they don't speak. Dogs and robots don't really talk, but they communicate and it's beautiful. They communicate through music and action. Uh, I think it's fantastic um, from, from Neon Films. Um, two musicals, uh, La Fille du Roi is a French Canadian film set in like the late 1700s uh, that it's in Mohawk and French and English and they spontaneously burst into song um, and talk about uh, the indigenous peoples. Uh, and then um, I don't know if there are any of you fans of the Indigo Girls, uh, but there's a oh, sure film, Tom, Tom Gustafson, who's been had films in uh, in QFest and Sliff over time. Uh, and his film Glitter and Doom is about a young uh, male couple. Um, one is a singer and one is, uh, you know, breaking away from his um, small town, but um, they spontaneously burst into song and dance and then the rest of the soundtrack is Indigo Girl. So it's, it's, it's a lot of fun. Well, this is very exciting because you guys do put the international in, in, in the St. Louis International Film Festival. And lest we forget, it is sponsored by the Whitaker Family Foundation. And so they have lent their name to your festival for many, 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 many years. With significant, and significant donations that, you know, don't pay for everything, certainly, but for, you know, a modest budget of our size with, with, with context of the scope of what we do, very generous. Um, and it does make a difference and it does go far. So um, we honor what they do for all the arts in St. Louis. Um, and, and, you know, thanks for helping us too. <laughs> Yeah, well, what is what's fun is to go to the festival and see all the slides beforehand celebrating local people in Missouri and the sponsors that are involved. And also, they always have something from Explore St. Louis, Explore Missouri. It makes you proud that you're part of this growing arts effort in St. Louis because it is really thrilling, uh, especially when you're at the showcase to see how many young filmmakers are are coming up. And uh, it's such a diverse thing. This year we had more women filmmakers, more black filmmakers, more people with distinct voices. And it's really encouraging to see how the, the, the local scene is thriving. And now we got tax breaks back, right? Mm -hmm. So, mm -hmm. yeah, yeah. But, the, uh, with our new dynamic, a uh, new executive director, a uh, new address, uh, new offices, uh, new everything. We're trying to really be mindful of where we live and the demographics of people who live here. And we don't want to always take all the safe choices. Uh, and we've, we're working hard to increase uh, diversity in our programming. Uh, we're an all white staff, but we're trying to be mindful of our place in the arts, in the arts community here. And um, but just by I think everyone else knew it but me, really, but I just scrolled through the list of all of our feature films, um, the, the you know images we use in the website and program, and <clears throat> I didn't see as many white faces um, as I'm used to. So, you know, the subjects and the themes and the, the actors and the everything you know, is, is shifting to 
you know, reflect the world. And you also have a really good slate, as always, of LGBTQ films because uh, that's important, and especially in Missouri, and especially with what's going on in the world. And it's important that you guys uh, take the lead in these kind of things, too. So I'm happy about that. That's important to me, yes. So thank you for saying that. Well, sure. Well, the website is cinemastlewis.org, cinemastlewis.org, and then go to the SLIF portion, and you can see everything about it. But Because if you go to the main page, it's all about Metallica this weekend. Because I know, right? They're in town. And we're doing a Metallica film festival this weekend of some of their concert films. I know. It's a high point. With Joe Moskis doing that art. This is a fantastic poster. And I didn't realize until yesterday that Joe made that poster. It's very oh, wow. well done. And they oh. love it. The, really? The band loves it. They, you know, they're all over everything. Aren't they like the highest grossing entertainment act on the planet? True. This year, yes, they will be. They might be. I mean, I think over time, they, they are right. at the top of the list like for a long time. I mean, they're like, They've been in town all week, so they're aware of everything that's going on. Allegedly, there's going to be at the hockey game on Saturday night, but I don't know that for sure. Allegedly. That's well, all I know. Well, speaking okay. of your forever home. Oh, go ahead. Yeah, go ahead. Oh, go ahead. Uh, speaking of forever home, your forever home and music, this week on November 7th, which is Monday, uh, you are having a special screening. It's a nationwide screening of the documentary, The Stones and Brian Jones. Yeah. And this is a buzzworthy documentary. Um, I have it in my queue to watch. And um, they're going to have, they're, it's going to be at the high point only Monday. And then it'll have a nationwide rollout like around November 17th, I think. But something that's like something that. that you guys are doing in at the high point is you are programming things that you can't see anywhere else. Yeah, um, we've had a great uh, series of <clears throat> kind of alt uh, rock docs, um, some current and then some more historical docs with the Carol King documentary, which did really well. Things about, you know, Pink Floyd, uh, all kinds of interesting stuff. And <clears throat> I've been working on this all year. Thanksgiving weekend, we welcome back to St. Louis. This is Spinal Tap. Oh, wonderful. Oh, another quotable movie. Yes. Oh, my God. Michael St. Hovens. I swear to God, every time I watch it, I just discover more things and I laugh harder. Just lightning in a bottle. So um, that'll be fun. Well, thank you, Chris. I look forward to it. And your smiling staff because they're always fun to talk to when you go to the movies. So get your popcorn and you can get passes. If you want to see six films, you can get a pass and, and just support it. Uh, that's what we like to say. You see you at the movies, but see you also at the St. Louis film festival. See you at the movies a lot. <laughs> Cinemastlewis.org has all the information and all the ticket stuff. Thank you, Chris. Well, thanks for having me. I got to run off and do important cinematic festival things. Take yes, care. you do. All right. All right. See ya. Bye. Sorry about that. No, don't be sorry. We're glad to have you. Yes. Hi, you. Hannah. One of the of signs of fall, Carl, a beautiful autumn is the St. Louis Book Festival at the Jewish 
CCA at so it's the St. Louis Jewish Book Festival. And we have had Hannah Dinkle on before to talk about it during the pandemic. And now we have one of the Missouri authors, Jeff Bender, and Hannah to talk about the upcoming festival, which starts on this coming Sunday, the 5th. Yep, 7 p.m. Welcome, everyone. Thank you. Thank you. Hi. So what is the big, uh, uh, what are, what are you so excited about this year for the festival? Cause besides Jeff's going to be on this Missouri panel, which I think is really a neat thing. What are some of the, uh, some of the, the people that you were bringing in to talk? So um, Martin Fletcher is our opener coming to visit us this Sunday. Um, it is a um, it's particularly timely to welcome him back. He's been to the festival several times in the past. Um, he will be discussing his new book, Teachers, the ones I can't forget. But um, he's chosen to pivot his program a little bit. And, you know, uh, even though his book does cover quite a bit of his career, being the um, bureau chief in Tel Aviv, covering Israel for over 30 years on NBC, he would love for the St. Louis community to have the chance to pick his brain and about the situation in Israel and Israel's war with Hamas. So he um, is is kind of opening up the um, the doors for the program and also the community to come and you know get the get the who's who. And he is a very um, accessible teacher. He's really interested and invested in people learning from him. So that's going to be a really special program um, for really anyone that you know, it's any, any knowledge level or interest level, um, in the topic he's, he's a man, she's very down to earth. Um, just can't say enough about the guy. So really excited about that. Um, the anniversary of Kristallnacht always happens during the book festival. And we have an amazing Holocaust scholar, Wolf Bruner coming to talk to us about, um, German Jewish resistance within the third Reich. That's definitely an under tapped into topic um, in the academy. And we definitely need those um, academic voices with the completely crazy things that are going on in the academy right now. Um, and we have um, Benjamin Cohen coming to visit us, who is an editor for The Forward. And he also manages all of Albert Einstein's social media accounts. The guy is hilarious. Um, and his uh, Albert Einstein posts are like absolutely amazing on key. And he wrote an entire book about it. Um, that's going to be a great program. And then, of course, yes, our local authors. That is, um, I think, probably my favorite program of the festival because we get the chance to amplify and uplift our local voices that deal with really important and timely topics. And what I love this year is all four of our authors, whether it's nonfiction or fiction, are um, dealing with something that is very much a Missouri or St. Louis topic. And so I'm, I'm really, really looking forward to that. So Jeff, you've written a book called uh, Apparel Has No Gender, and uh, your experience of raising two gender fluid children. And I want you to uh, talk about why you decided to put pen to paper and uh, also about your, your company, The Lion and the Owl. Thank you for having me. And um, yeah, so it all started really with the uh, children's apparel company, uh, The Lion and the Owl. So we make gender exclusive, gender equal kids clothing. 
Uh, it's a children's category that's completely new called All Kids Plus. And we're working with actually a local manufacturer here in St. Louis to do all the clothes and designs. So it's all like in St. Louis in-house. But one, someone had mentioned that um, it would be a good idea to write a book to use for marketing, to market the clothing company. But when I started working on one of the books, um, someone was helping me and we kind of thought, you know, there's like this space here that we could actually write a real book, not one just for marketing of a company, of a business. And so I I sat down and, and decided to write a parent's book, The Apparel Has No Gender. And it's just the commentary about raising one, a transgender daughter, uh, most importantly. And then I didn't stop there. I thought, well, if I'm writing one book, I should write two books at the same time yeah. because that makes sense. And I noticed that my grand, my parents who live here in St. Louis, they had so many questions about our kids and we couldn't find any grandparents, grandkids book out there. And we also, I also wrote a book called, Oh, I just didn't know. 11 thoughtful conversations for grandparents and grandkids to have together. And so together we use those in conjunction with the clothing company and um, the foundation we started. So. I think we're all trying to learn so much and trying to be respectful and trying not to uh, uh, say anything wrong or, or understand more. And so I really appreciate you doing this because I've had friends who, if you go to social media, you see all of a sudden you, you knew children, their children, uh, uh, one way. And then now they're, they're, their true self, they're, their true identity. And so it's a whole learning curve for everybody. Because I would say to, for instance, a, a local, like, how's Olivia doing in college? She goes, Basil, she's Basil, you know, there <laughs> are Basil and they are Basil. So you have to, you have to learn this whole new process of socialization, which I think is good. And especially in Missouri, because if you're watching the news, then you know that this is not a very friendly state towards anybody who's different in any capacity yeah. whatsoever. <laughs> We've had actually had nine families um, move just <gasps> since this summer. Oh. Um, and so I'm sure there's, that's nine families that we know personally that have moved out of the state. Well, I'm sure the I, number is huge comparatively. So, I mean, just in our little social circle of of parents, we know of nine families who have moved. Well, Jeff, your your chapter on pronouns was very enlightening because some some people make more out of pronouns than others do. And in fact, I was I was witnessing an interview the other day, and the person that was doing the interviewing practice all night they them they them they them and then during the interview dropped in a she and then the person was very polite and said just to remind you but then the interviewer did it again 
and you could tell that it was a challenge. And so, so you, no offense is usually being taken. But sometimes it depends on. It's just like people. Everything and every situation is different. Is that what you're finding? Yeah, and so most of the uh, most of the interviews or podcasts that I that I'm on the the question that is asked most often is dealing with pronouns because this idea of pronouns is so new, um, especially to um, the older generations. Right, that is like completely crazy, and and I and I tell people now. I am a cisgendered male and pronouns are not important to me, but as having two children and especially a transgender child, I realize the importance of it. But at the same time, I, I always try to remind people that it, the pronoun, it is the intent. So if you are trying and you make a, a mistake, as opposed to purposely, intentfully doing it hurtfully, right? That is a huge difference. And I tell people, I struggle. I still use the wrong pronouns for my own daughter at times. And she's 10. And she's she's been this way since she was born. And it's it's still something that I struggle with. It's not because I'm doing it to be mean or spiteful um but it's just something that we have never really had to pay attention to or work on and it's continually a struggle for us but again it's intent right so where well, I really enjoy, i really enjoyed your chapter on that it was very enlightening thank you well, I, like, I like I like the way you laid it all out for everybody. I love I think the chapters are very insightful and and you can find out so much information and you speak from a place of of love and and uh, trying to help help everybody in this moving forward world. And I know as a as a journalist, they is hard, you know, like my oh, we were talking, Carl and I when uh, I wrote my movie review for The Flash because Ezra Miller is transgender and I kept, I had to go back and look and make sure everything was a they. And then when I got on KTRS to do the review, I just kept going all over the place. You know, he, they. Well, because, because The Flash is a he, the actor Ezra Miller is they, them. So it's, you have to, you think you're doing the right thing, but you're you're always second guessing yourself as well. Right. So where can people find your book, Jeff? So currently the uh, books are on our website and you can find it at uh, the lion and the owl.com. That's the right now we we are in control of the the books and we are we, I say we only because we have a team in place that hmm. operates. The clothing company and so that's the new gender we we um so yeah it's on our site we we just want to keep control of it currently right now uh the clothes so our first capsule or our first line of 
apparel is due to come out in May of 2024. And we have a Kickstarter coming up in a couple weeks, actually, too. Uh, So right now, it's just been about controlling all of our IP. And so you can you can go to our website and learn more. And like, I am crazy on social media, you can follow along and, and I am honored to be one of the guests at the uh, book festival this year. And I am presenting on the 12th, November. And who, uh, Hannah, who else is on that Missouri panel? We have Leah Rachel, who um, joins us um, with her really kind of inspiring narrative about um, raising a biracial child um, in, uh, in Missouri. And then we have Martin Snyder coming to us, who wrote a fictionalized account of a um, retail family. And there's lots of, if you're from St. Louis, there's lots of like, is this person, this person? And so- A lot um, of brown shoe drama. Yes, really, really fun. Yeah. And then um, Lindy Drew, um, our uh, Humans of St. Louis um, social media phenomenon is coming because she turned um, all of her amazing photographs and really touching candid narratives into a book. And uh, and then Joe Hanrahan adapted it to a play this summer at the St. Louis Fringe Festival, which yeah. I saw. And I really hope it has a broader life, like they bring it back yeah. because it was so fun to watch. And um, I do have a copy of that book, which is a monster, but it's just so St. <laughs> Louis yes. and uh, definitely <laughs> worth it. Now, how many authors are you going to have between... Uh, the festival because it starts November 5th and then it goes to what's your final day November 19th and we actually have 25 authors joining us during the festival yeah Um, covering basically um, any and every topic um, you can imagine and um, you know especially for Missouri's own and I'm thinking also about our anti-semitism panel you know some of the um you know, discourse definitely isn't positive because of what is, you know, going on in, you know, in Missouri and, um, you know, rhetoric from our very own government and, um, you know, legislation that, you know, even limits um, gender affirming care for minors. And so th- those are, um, you know, topics that make me really sad, but they still need to be talked about. And so, you know, I, I'm really excited to create this space for discourse in, in a positive way and for people to to come and learn about it. And, you know, and um, Jeff's books are, are really accessible and, and it's not, um, you know, you know, people shouldn't feel guilty for not knowing. Um, so it's, you know, I, I invite everyone to, to come, you know, and really check out Missouri Zone because um, it's, you know, again, it's it's really sad what's going on in Missouri, but um, you know, the step one is to learn. If if you you know even if this doesn't impact your family at all or people that you know personally, is is just come and learn and you know and and exchange discourse with the audience with the author. Um, I'm really excited. Well, Show Me State yeah. needs to be shown. Yes. Yeah, <laughs> and, absolutely. And, yes, and, and, <laughs> and I really appreciate that. Uh, uh, your your topics, your subject matter couldn't be more timely. Yes, in good and bad ways, but yes. <laughs> yes, and and so it, it's good to get out and and stuff and make connections with people to understand. I just think yes. when things are faces, when people do things one on one, there's so much more understanding than when they think of broad things Absolutely. like you know. Yes. Um, 
we get dinged a lot in the media, you know, oh, the media. And then it's like, well, I'm a media. Oh, well, not you, you know. And so, <laughs> yeah, you know, so it's that kind of situation. So that is really, really awesome. So for more information, where do people go? Um, you can go to our website, jccstl.org. There is a landing page specifically for the festival. We have the entire schedule there. You can buy a festival pass that gets you into every event up until June of 2024. Or if you're really into an individual event, you can buy individual tickets for individual events as well. And uh, I I just, I, I love, I love going to the JCCA. I love what, uh, all what all your programming does and i just also have to know if you're going to have the caramel apple cookies at the <laughs> at the book festival for people to buy we we do <laughs> not sell concessions i'm so sorry and those cookies are heavenly um my son went through three of them when he saw the immigrant <laughs> i'm i'm terribly sorry yeah i just wanted I, to check I know. That's where where can I get one of these cookies? I, <laughs> I don't know about these cookies. I will show you. You can go downstairs and hit up Jill in the catering kitchen because she always has them around and they are freaking delicious. Like, oh, yes, it, it will change your life. <laughs> yeah. I will. I will have some in the green room for you. OK, <laughs> yes, they, they are yes. so good. <laughs> yeah, they're oh, from so the, the, well, they say from the J kitchen. So, yes. you know, like, OK. They, they these are, are these are coming yes yeah well yes. it well no matter what just uh you know um just mark a calendar and i really appreciate you coming on jeff and also Thank hannah you. because it's Thank always you. a delight accstl.org anything before we go what's one thing that uh you really are super excited about that uh, is under the radar um for the festival or yes. Oh yes. gosh. Um I know you have so many. It's like picking the child out. Yeah, you know? it's there's hard to one say. for me, the the um the cookies. She's the fashion designer. She designed the Rebecca Minkoff. Yes. So I so I have sent so like I said before, we have a team in place that we help do the clothes company and so I've asked two of my friends to go to that event because unfortunately I'm out of town um, and I can't go and I am so disappointed, but um, I'm on the road, honestly, like for two, these next two weeks for the, for the Jewish book council, I tra I'm traveling all over and I'm going to miss it. And it was like, oh. I am. Yeah. <laughs> so that is one that I would, I would recommend anyone going and checking out because she is awesome. She's remarkable. And what she, she does, mm -hmm. it's so cool. And her company and, and the whole story of her yes. success is amazing. It is absolutely amazing. Yep. Agreed. And by the way, um, have your friends get in touch with me. They can, um, you know, meet her and, you know, exchange business cards and stuff. If you want. Yes. So, yes. Yeah. yeah. That's yeah. huge for sure. Absolutely. Okay. Yeah, Thank of you. course. Yeah, of course. ACCSTL.org has everything. You can find it all except for the cookies. Well, oh. um, I I think um, I think uh, you st you start out Monday because Monday's a dark night for a lot of things, you know, movies and theater. So get to the book festival. Rebecca Rosen's What's Your Heaven? That's what I was looking for. I knew there was a title that really grabbed me. And it's like, why are we here? Yes. And she's also a medium and she does audience readings. So that is just like a whole other 
vibe. I mean, yeah. <laughs> so I, I, who, who knows who's going to come to, to, um, visit her, um, from the office. <laughs> yeah. He already knows. I'm a little scared to like, like pick her up from the airport. I'm like, oh my gosh. Like, <laughs> like, please, please yeah. don't tell me. <laughs> I, I don't want to know. <laughs> Don't read me while I'm driving. Exactly. Yeah. Seriously. Yeah. <laughs> well, you also always have you also always have food. I mean, in terms of a topic. Yes, Andrew Ray, um, the YouTuber and Instagram influencer that um had his rise to fame during COVID, um, is coming to see us. And he's just hilarious because you know, you learn from him via his failures, and he's just he's just so down to earth such a human about it yet his recipes are like really delicious and foolproof so he's he's a lot of fun and ian frobe um our local food critic's gonna interview him it's gonna be a great program very 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 cool and you're making yeah. me hungry you're making me hungry <laughs> <laughs> and i just found out this is a side thing but i just found out about this vegan deli that is in the city that is gonna they hope to be kosher certified really yes Wow. Yes. It's uh it's oh god. I just it's go to St. Louis magazine, the dining uh the dining out column by George Mayhe this uh, uh October 27th and it's got an interview with the vegan um uh, butcher and deli and yeah, he's got amazing things including that is super uh, cool. uh locks and bagels, vegan style. And uh, he gets the bagels overnighted from New York. Wow. Okay, I'm skeptical about vegan locks, but I'm gonna have to try that. I'm very skeptical. Yeah. Very I skeptical. I know. I know. <laughs> but they explained it. George explained. You know. So it's interesting. So I thought that's interesting that it could be kosher certified vegan deli. Yeah. Okay. I mean that's much easier because it's just parves. So yeah, that's interesting. <laughs> wow. Okay. Yeah. So now that we've got, got everybody hungry and yeah. we, I hope, I hope <laughs> we got, got everybody turning pages because, you know, but thank you so much for your time and we appreciate uh, everything that you guys do. And uh, we'll see yeah. you at the fair. Yeah. Thank you. <laughs> thank you. Bye. Bye. Bye guys. Thanks Jeff. Thanks so, guys. Thank you. Thank you. So my so pleasure. Par Thanks for having me. Well, we are so happy to meet you. Thank you. I'm gonna. I'm I, gonna. I appreciate it. I'm gonna check you out on social media. Please do. I appreciate all the help we can get. Bye, guys. All right. Bye, Jeff. So, Carl, right. we've been busy, 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 seeing movies, going to theater, and uh, yeah, you have uh, been going to a lot of concerts too. I, I went to a lot of concerts, so I did not see. I it was a movie that I wanted to see last week and I did not get to see. And uh, now it's and due to the hockey schedule, I'm going to miss a whole bunch of big movies and a whole bunch of theater. But Lynn, what did you want to talk about? Do you want to talk about the killer or what do you want to talk about that coming out this week? Well, you saw the killer and I did not. And okay, I'm getting mixed reaction. But Alex McPherson says it's one of his top movies of the year. I, I, I think that will change. Uh, this is, uh, Michael Fassbender in a David Fincher film, and uh, he plays an unnamed assassin, and things go wrong, as they do, and it is a very slow, slow burn. This movie's in theaters for a week or two, and then it's going to be on Netflix on November 10th. 
So David Fincher has a style, and if you like the David Fincher style, then you will like this movie. But it's not... I think it'd be funnier if it was funnier. It's not it's unintentionally funny because uh, Michael Fassbender has this code that he lives by. You know, he's like, I don't care about, uh, I'm just there for the job. I do this horrible job because I am an assassin. And I, he has this inner monologue that goes the entire film and he has a routine. And it'd be really, it's a dark comedy. I just wish it was a little more funny. And I, there are flashes of brilliance in this movie. It's based on a French graphic novel. And I am curious about several things about this graphic novel because when he goes to kill people, he puts on earbuds and listens to the Smiths. And I'm wondering if that, if it was originally a French artist or if it was always the Smiths because the Smiths are a very mopey morrissey british band and so i I'm, I'm curious about a lot of things about this film because there is a lot of smith's music in this movie uh, venice international film festival it won soundtrack so uh, i thought that was very funny even though the rest of the music is done by Pat resner and atticus ross so uh, it's on netflix i think it might work a little better on television because it's a lot of weird things happen and I'm not surprised by a lot of things. Once you get past the initial screw up of the initial uh, mishap at the assassination, everything you think is going to happen does happen. And there are some choices that the filmmakers make that I don't understand. Like, why would he go home? He knows that the business he's in, he should not go home. So what's the first thing he does? Hops on a plane and goes home. And because it's based from a graphic novel, it's in chapters. And each chapter is a different city that he pops around the world because, you know, there are loose ends to be tied up. And he goes to different cities to tie up these loose ends. I don't think it'll be in my top 10. I enjoyed it. I don't, it's definitely not for everybody because, you know, your main character is an unnamed assassin. They won't even name the guy. And then you will like enjoy this. All of his aliases are from 70s sitcoms. So like oh, that's... Ruben Kin yeah. Ruben Kincaid, uh George Jefferson, Archie Bunker, uh etc. Cetera, etc. Cetera. So That is funny. Well Fincher took twenty years to get this on screen. He that's what that's how long he's he's been wanting to do it. And uh, it is in local theaters. It's like Plaza Frontenac. I'm not sure if it's Alamo Draft House, but maybe. But it is on Netflix starting November 10th, so it'll be on the small screen. We have a we have a couple uh, other films. You and I saw Priscilla last night, which opens Friday in theaters only, yep. and we have mixed reactions to it. It's very More pretty. The set design is amazing. I love what they did. Uh, and then I was actually talking to somebody about this. As I saw a review that said, hey, look, uh, Sophia Coppola is talking about another rich white woman. Even though I said that I countered that with uh, Rashida Jones. But yes, this is Sophia Coppola's movies are about women with 
privilege but not power. And that's what this is definitely. And it does uh coming so soon after the Elvis movie from last year, this movie puts the king of rock and roll in a horrible light. It does. And uh it's a more intimate scaled down film. It's uh Priscilla is definitely a woman of her time. Let's put it like that. In the Elvis was grooming her since she was 14. Waited till she was 18 to marry her and then finally had sex with her. And then after he did, after she had his baby, refused to have sex with her again. That's the whole movie. You don't need to see it anymore. Yeah. It's, um, based, it's, on, it's all, based on it's, Elvis and me, which is Priscilla's right. book. She's, she, I, and I also know some things that are, have been disputed about this book, but since Priscilla Presley is an executive producer on this movie, it is going to make Scylla look great, Elvis not look that great, and there are some things that how much Priscilla pursued Elvis is in dispute. So, and there are some people. There are some people that say that she lobbied hard to meet Elvis. Well, uh. If this story took place today in the social media climate that we have, they could have never survived. Never. And Elvis would have been me too. Oh my God. Uh, the things that, that go on that went on uh, 60 years ago would never fly today, but this is, that's a different time. It's very hushed tones. This is such, I call it a companion piece to Elvis because uh, we see his version and then here's her version. And the two actors are terrific. Kaylee Spaney and Jacob Alordi. Uh, she, was in, she was in Pacific Rim and uh, Bad Times at the El Royale and um, he was in uh, the Kissing Booth trilogy and on he's Netflix. Gonna be, he's going to be in Saltburn. And he's he was in Euphoria as well. He is a really good... They'd make him fat at the, in, in the 70s, though. I thought they'd make him fat. They didn't. They didn't. They showed the big, uh, big uh, table, the dresser table full pills. And yeah. just how out of it he was, but it what what I don't think is because you know she's become a very savvy businesswoman and she's in charge of his estate, and she has made a lot of very so, as you said, they don't show her becoming um, an individual, an empowered well, they, individual. They have her. Uh, they have they allude to that she was as addicted to drugs as he was but they don't show any aftermath of that because they show her just popping pills to go to school and they have elvis's entourage but they don't give anybody a name the colonel never shows up he's only alluded to so you're right this is a companion piece to the elvis movie of last year but it's showing a different side of the story and it ends abruptly it ends abruptly. Did you find it very hushed tones? I found it very hard sometimes to hear what Elvis was saying because he was more whispery. 
than everybody sometimes, else. But sometimes, but then I think that was supposed to uh, convey the drugs that he was on, that he was slurring his speech. Yeah. And uh, a lot of, let's put it like this, a lot of the action takes place in their bedroom, but it is pretty chaste. Yeah, yeah, it is. And that's, as I described before, Elvis had his own weird set of rules. Yes. And uh, the fact that her parents were hesitant, but still signed off on her living in Graceland and going mm -hmm. to high school in Memphis and parts of it are cringy and icky. You can't get around that because we have these modern sensibilities, but it's fascinating to see her reactions to like all the, all the tabloid rumors, all the pictures of Nancy Sinatra and Anne Margaret and uh, what other stars that he, well, she, uh, she won Best Actress at the Venice Film Festival. And every time I heard her speak, there were 15 years ago, this would have been Natalie Portman's. She sounds exactly like Natalie Portman doing Priscilla Presley. It was uncanny. Somebody said she sounded like Lacey Chalbert, but I don't think so. I think she sounds a lot like Natalie Portman, younger Natalie Portman, because I you know, 15 years ago, this would have been Natalie Portman's part, even though she, let's see, how old is Kaylee? I'm looking that up because she goes from 14 to 30. Uh, she's only 25. So yeah, she's right there. She uh, looks like a virginal Barbie doll through mm -hmm. most of the movie. And even when she gets money and puts on the eyeliner and the false eyelashes and everything, there's still an innocence about her in this film. Uh, because Sofia Coppola directed Marie Antoinette, one of our fellow critics said, it's like a woman in the gilded, ca the gilded cage, an isolated woman. Uh, Pete thought that uh, they showed her isolation so well. And I thought that's what they did the best show how alone was she was she was basically a, a kept woman yes a prisoner because you know that was the way it was going to be because and, elvis uh, was off doing his own damn thing right you know and and he didn't want her around he didn't want her at movie sets he didn't want her at concerts he didn't want her net but it is kind of weird that that entourage you know i mean it's just kind of abnormal just mm. I just the want to TCB say the TCB crew. Yeah, the TCB, the TCB. Well, we also have this movie called Rustin, and I need to I need to mention that Coleman Domingo will get an Oscar nomination for portraying Bayard Rustin. He is an unsung hero of the civil rights movement, and he was outspoken and he rubbed people the wrong way, and he was also gay at a time where it was illegal. So I think that's why the history books have not made a bigger deal out of him. But he orchestrated the March on Washington in 1963. And because of his passion, the civil rights movement moved forward. And that the, the landmark Civil Rights Act of 1964 was passed uh, that prevented discrimination on basically race, color, sex, you know, all that that was put into place then, but 1963 was a very perilous time. And uh, we have uh, be portraying the NC, NCAA, uh, the NC, 
NAACP. Yes. Thank you. Uh, we have Chris Rock as Roy Wilkins, who who was who presided over the NAACP for 22 years. And Chris Rock doesn't like him, or well, Wilkins, who's born in St. Louis, doesn't like him and then becomes a becomes a fan, becomes a supporter. But it shows it takes a village because it shows all these people mobilized across the country to put this march together. And Emil Amin does a fantastic job as Martin Luther King. Uh, we have Jeffrey Wright. Jeffrey Wright plays Adam Clayton Powell Jr., who was a lawmaker who mm -hmm. was ready to expose Bayard's private life. And Glenn Turman is fantastic as a labor union guy, A. Philip uh, Randolph. And so it's got really good, uh, really good cast. It's directed by George C. Wolf, who's won five Tonys. He's the one who directed Angels in America. Uh -huh. He also he also originated uh, Bring in the Noise, Bring in the Funk, and he directed the movie Ma Rainey's Black Bottom last year. So it is rather theatrical. It is rather like a stagey play. And uh -huh. when we're dealing with the professional stuff, it's really electric, not so much the personal stuff. He's having two uh, two relations. Well, I don't even know if they're relationships with a a guy on his staff and then a pastor who comes in to help with the civil rights movement who's married. And Ooh. so, but, but Coleman Domingo is, this is his opportunity because he's been such a, he's been such a, uh, a great character actor all these years. And he does have a big background in theater in San Francisco. And he wrote a play that the black rep did a couple of years ago called Dot. And and so to see him be able to soar in this role is really neat. So the movie's going to be um, at theaters this Friday, but also it's going to start on Netflix on November seventeenth. And the Marsh King's daughter has Daisy Ridley, Ben Mendelsohn, and I know one of your favorite child actors, Brooklyn Prince from ah, from the Florida Project. Yes. This is a slow start movie, but then it's a mystery fascinating. And I can't give away too much of the plot because that, but um, if you like that cast, then go for it because I think it does have worthy parts. It's just, you know how it is. It takes a while to get into and find out what's going on because you don't know quite what's going on yet. So when you find out the big reveal, and then it gets kind of really whoo, scary and because we're talking local i have to mention that the st louis public library on the first saturday of the month they have a movie sing-along and this saturday at one o'clock downtown central library is the wizard of oz huh. and they encourage you it's for all ages and they encourage you to dress up and you can go and they will have subtitle lyrics so everybody can sing along to the wizard of oz and it's free well, let's quickly, since we're already running so late, Lynn, Muni announced their slate for next year. I'm going to go through them quickly. Les Mis, Dreamgirls, Little Mermaid, Fiddler on the Roof, Waitress, In the Heights, and Anything Goes. Are you excited about those? 
I am. I am. Some people were saying there isn't, they weren't wowed. And I was like, I didn't think they could top last year, but I'm very excited about In the Heights because on that stage, it's going to be fantastic. And uh, Anything Goes hasn't been there for like 25 years. And I was at the one where Ann Miller got clunked in the head and uh -huh. the, the, uh, the understudy, Nancy St. James, had to go on and a star was born. And she was fantastic. And I've seen the one with che uh, at the Muni with Cheetah Rivera and Larry Kurtz. And I have seen a lot. I directed a high school production of it in 1990. And it is fun. It is fun. It is just, and it has all these characters with moments to shine. And they always pick a really happy one to go out to end the season. And that's going to be perfect. And the fact that they're they're starting with Les Mis is going to be great because that show is beloved. And yes. in 2013, they had Norm Lewis as Javert and all these kids that were University of Michigan in the cast, including Alex Pracken and Bobby Conti. And you might recognize those names because they're still going around. So I'm excited to see what they do with that. But the big premiere is Waitress. Yes. And that's exciting too. Sarah Borales did the music. And it's based on the the movie that starred Carrie Russell. Yep. And Andy Griffith was in that. Remember the movie? It's a little I indie do. movie. And, and uh, it's so interesting. So people really like this show. And uh, I think that's awesome. And Fiddler, it's it's timely. It's comforting. Everybody, uh, James Lindhorst from the Broadway world and I were talking. And he said, he was one of the characters in uh, high school. And I said, well, I was grandma's idol and mom. And he said, a blessing on your head. So uh, who wasn't in Fiddler? In I was school? the rabbi. So see, everybody I pushed has grandma around on roller skates. <laughs> and uh, also uh, the kid show, Little Mermaid. I know it yep. was here before and it was wonderful, but people really love that. There'll be all these little aerials and their red wigs and their mm -hmm. mermaid costumes all every night. Yes. And what else am I missing here, Carl? Well, you, there are only seven of them. Right. But it'll Dream be girls. in. Oh, Dream Girls. Dream Girls. You know who they hope is one of the leads, don't you? Mm, be anybody i know but uh that'll be interesting to see one of our fan favorite local people and to see where she fits into the casting and so i'm just gonna tease that out there uh because mm -hmm. it's just rumor but you know right. you don't know you so never know. uh this week at theaters mind game it is the last weekend it's the albion theater who Every play I've done, they've only done four shows. Every play I have enjoyed tremendously. They are at the Cranesburg. If you like twisty, turny, psychological thrillers, I highly recommend it. Um, it is just Friday, Saturday, Sunday. The Mad One starts at Tesseract, and that's a two-hander musical uh, with con uh, contemporary themes and two young stars. And... Um, what else do we have that's going on with theater? Um, I don't know. I don't know, but soon at the five. Oh, come from away. I'm going oh, Friday night. Weekend. I can't go. That's one of my favorite shows of all time. And Fantastic it just, show. 
it makes you uh, feel warm and fuzzy inside and, and gives you hope for humanity, especially in this type of world. And uh, what else, Carl? Uh, blues hockey and Metallica. That's right. And if you like Witness, the movie with Harrison Ford, it just came out a new one, 4K version. And that is currently on Showtime and Paramount Plus. And I watched it again a couple of months ago. And oh my God, that is Harrison Ford's only Oscar nomination. And that is such a fantastic movie. So uh, as far as oldies go, I highly recommend checking that out. And there's of the be, hand. Yeah. Yes. All right. All right. The Lynn, where can we find you? I'm on KTRS every Friday at 11.08 with Jennifer and Wendy. I am in the Webster Kirkwood Times. I am on Pop Life STL, my website I funded. And you and I do this every single week now for what, three years, four years? More than that. I start my seventh year with uh, KTRS movie reviews this month. So that's pretty oh. cool. And I also can, write features and I'm all over social media. You can find and me at underscore Carl the Intern on Fred's Twitter and Instagram. And it seems my videos on TikTok. Uh, and then you can find me Monday through Friday with the Mark Cox Morning Show and weekends, Second Amendment Radio and the Great Outdoors on 97.1 and KMOK. All right, everybody. Bye, everybody. Enjoy your fall. Enjoy it. Bye.